Chapter 16 of Unwise Child by Randall Garrett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Unwise Child, Chapter 16. Mike the Angel hefted the heavy stun gun in his right fist, feeling its weight without really noticing it. He knew damned good and well it wouldn't be of any use against Nookums. If Mellon came at him, the supersonic beam from the gun would affect his nerves the same way an electric current would and he'd collapse unconscious but relatively unharmed. But Mike doubted seriously that it would have any effect at all on the metal body of the robot. It is as difficult to jolt the nerves of a robot as it is to blind an oyster. Snookums did have sensory devices that enabled him to tell what was going on around him, but they were not nerves in the ordinary sense of the word, and a stun-gun certainly wouldn't have the same effect. He wondered just what effect it would have, if any. He was going down the main ladder, actually a long spiral stairway that led downward from the bridge. Behind him were Chief Malthouse, also armed with a stun-gun, and four members of the power crew, each armed with a heavy spanner. Mike or the chief could take care of Mellon. It would be the crew's job to take care of Snookums. "'Smash his treads and his waldos,' Mike had told him. "'But only if he attacks. Before you try anything else, give him an order to halt. If he keeps on coming, start swinging.' And to Chief Malthouse, "'If Mellon jumps me, Fire that stun-gun only if he's armed with a knife or a gun. But if you do have to fire at Mellon, don't wait to get in a good shot. Just go ahead and knock us both out. I'd rather be asleep than dead, okay?" Malthouse had agreed. The same goes for me, Commander. And the rest of the boys. So down the ladder they went. Mike hoped there'd be no fighting at all. He had the feeling that everything was all wrong somehow and that any use of stun-guns or spanners would just make everything worse. His wasn't the only group looking for Snookums and Mellon. Lieutenant Keku had another group and Commander Jeffers had a third. Lieutenant Commander von Liegnitz was with Captain Quill on the bridge. Mellon had already attacked von Liegnitz once. The captain didn't want them mixing it up again. Captain Quill's voice came suddenly from a speaker in the overhead. "'Miss Crennan and Dr. Fitzhugh have just spoken to me,' he said in his brisk tenor. "'Snookums is safe in his own room. I have outlined what has happened, and they're trying to get information from Snookums now. Lieutenant Mellon is still missing.' "'One down,' said Chief Malthouse. There was relief in his voice. "'Let's see if we can find the other one,' said Mike the Angel." They went down perhaps three more steps, and the speakers came to life again. "'Where the chief physician's mate report to Commander Jeffers in the maintenance tool room. Lieutenant Keiko, dismiss your men to quarters and report to the bridge. Commander Gabriel, dismiss your men to quarters and report to Commander Jeffers in maintenance. All chief noncoms report to the ordnance room to turn in your weapons. All enlisted men return to your posts or to quarters.' Mike the Angel holstered his stun-gun. "'That's two down,' he said to Chief Malthouse. "'Looks like we missed all the fun,' said Malthouse. "'Okay, men,' Mike said. "'You got the word. Take those spanners back to the tool-room and power section, and then get back to your quarters. 
Chief, you go with them and secure everything, then take that stun-gun back to ordnance. Yes, sir. Malthouse threw Mike a salute. Mike returned it and headed toward maintenance. He knew Malthouse and the others were curious, but he was just as curious himself. He had the advantage of being in a position to satisfy his curiosity. The maintenance tool-room was big and lined with tool-lockers. One of them was open. Sprawled in front of it was Lieutenant Mellon. Over to one side was Commander Jeffers, standing next to a white-faced Ensign Vanesky. Nearby were a chief non-com and three enlisted men. "'Hello, Mike,' Pete Jeffers said as Mike the Angel came in. "'What happened, Pete?' Mike asked. Jeffers gestured at the sprawled figure on the floor. "'We came in here to search. We found him. Mr. Vanesky opened the locker there for a look-see, and Mellon jumped out at him. Vanesky fired his stun-gun. Mellon collapsed to the deck. He's in bad shape. His pulse is so weak that it's hard to find.' Mike the Angel walked over and looked down at the fallen medical officer. His face was waxen, and he looked utterly small and harmless. "'What happened?' asked another voice from the door. It was Chief Physician's mate Pierre Pasteur. He was a smallish man, well-rounded, pleasant-faced, and inordinately proud of his name. He couldn't actually prove that he was really descended from the great Louis, but he didn't allow people to think otherwise. Like most C. Fizems, he had a Doctor of Medicine degree, but no internship in the Space Service. He was working toward his commission. "'We've got a patient for you,' said Jeffers. "'Better look him over, Chief.' Chief Pasteur walked over to where Mellon lay and took his stethoscope out of his little black bag. He listened to Mellon's chest for a few seconds, then he pried open an eyelid and looked closely at an eye. "'What happened to him?' he asked without looking up. "'Got hit with a beam from a stun-gun,' said Jeffers. "'How did he fall? Did he hit his head?' "'I don't know. Maybe.' He looked at Ensign Vanesky. "'Did he, Mr. Vanesky? He was right on top of you. I was across the room.' Vanesky swallowed. "'I don't know. He... he just sort of... well, he fell.' "'You didn't catch him?' asked the chief. He was a physician on a case now, and had no time for surring his superiors. No, no, I jumped away from him. Why, what's the trouble? Jeffers asked. He's dead, said the chief physician's mate. End of chapter 16